good tidings of great joy. Happy Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am David Pinkerton, and I'm glad that you're listening in this morning. Today, I want to um, remind every one of you that uh, we're grateful for the comments. We're grateful for the emails, should you want to contact me. My email address is Dr. Dave, that is D-R-D-A-V-E, one three at gmail.com. Dr. Dave, one three at gmail.com. And we would be glad to correspond with you. So I want you to go to the book of First John. And I want to speak to you today on a subject that me as a former pastor and as a church strengthener and a church consultant in these days, I uh, do revivals, those types of things. Also, uh, I'm alarmed. I'm really alarmed at the number of Christians that I come across that do not have the assurance of their salvation. Now, I want you, as you're turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter number 5, I want you to remember the book of 1 John is written to believers, those that have trusted Jesus Christ by faith as Savior. God God means what he says, folks. The Bible is the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God gave us his Word, and he can't lie. The Scripture teaches it's impossible by two immutable things, that it's impossible for God to lie. So when we read the Scripture, it's God talking to us. That's opening the mind of God. Listen to what he says and believe it, folks. So I want to deal with that subject this morning, how you can know, K-N-O-W, for sure, that you're going to heaven. In 1 John chapter number 5, I draw your attention to verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that's Jesus, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have, currently, eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. As I said, I'm alarmed at the number of people who are afraid to express assurance of their salvation. And there's either one of two reasons for that, I believe. First of all, they actually have doubts about it. Or second, they think that it is presumptuous to say, hey, I know I'm saved. And I don't know of any other reason that a person would fear to express the assurance of their salvation. I remember June 18, 1990, when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I have forgotten a million dates and important passwords and uh, user-friendly names, things of that nature. But for some reason, I always remembered those two things. When I trusted Christ as Savior and was born again, and then when God called me to preach, and I formally announced it on June the 16th, 1992. So those two things, those dates happen to stand with me, among some others that are very important in my life as well. But when you trusted Christ as Savior, it may have been a child. You may have been in vacation Bible school. Who knows what their circumstances are? And you may not be able to remember the date and the time. I understand that, and so does God, most importantly. So don't be alarmed that you can't remember all the details. But many Christians, and I blame a lot of this on pastors and, and church leaders, deacons, uh, Sunday school teachers, those that are uh, given the responsibility of teaching the Word of God, that when a convert 
a new convert comes in, they've trusted Christ, they need to be taught immediately that they have the assurance of salvation. Now, I realize out there that not everybody is a Bible uh, instructor extraordinaire. I would say none of us are. Pastor David certainly is not. I'm a student of the Bible. But a Christian needs to know immediately that they have assurance of salvation. So when they have that assurance, folks, they can go on and, and become what God wants them to be. Without that assurance, I'm going to tell you today, I believe there is a multitude of nervous Christians listening to me today that you're going to heaven, but you're going nervous. You think God is like a man. He's going to lie to you or that you can lose it. Folks, nothing could be farther from the truth. If you've been truly born again of the Spirit of God, John chapter 3, verse 16, John chapter 3, verse 36, John chapter 5, verse 24, John chapter 3 and verse 18, why in the world would you doubt God? Why would you doubt Him? Don't doubt Him. But there's a lot of uncertainty among Christians today. I've met preachers with uncertainty. Now, folks, God either means what He says or He doesn't. And he's, it's against his nature to lie. He cannot lie. Romans says by two immutable or unchangeable things in that it's impossible for God to lie. Now, God saved you. You didn't save yourself. But if you're depending upon your reformation or some work that you've done, like baptism, church membership, charitable organizations, feeding the poor or helping the poor, feeding the needy and the hungry, all great things. But if you're depending upon those works to make you good before God and, and thinking that you're going to persuade God to let you in heaven, you're wrong. You can't work your way to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you're saved by trusting Christ by faith as your Savior and Him alone. When He died on the cross, God took every sin that you have ever committed or will ever commit if you live to be 150. God did that for every human being that lived, that's living now, and that will live. Christ became our sin bearer, our substitute. Isaiah chapter 53, the whole chapter. Jesus took our place on the cross. He was not a sinner. He was sinless. And God took all of our sins and punished Jesus in our place. We deserve to pay that debt, that sin debt. And if we did pay that sin debt, friend, the only thing we had to pay with would be eternal damnation. We'd have to go to hell forever and burn because we have nothing to offer God that's any good. Your works, your your your. Uh, political persuasion, your religious affiliation. You have nothing to offer a holy and a just God. But he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, not the terrestrial ball, but the human beings, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The word believe means to trust in to depend upon, to rely upon Christ and Him alone for your salvation. Abandon everything else, your baptism, your church membership, your, your sacrament, your, your religious affiliation, your Sunday school pins, whatever it may be, your diploma, your degree. 
None of that stuff will get you to heaven. But if you're depending solely and completely and wholly upon Jesus, God will save you. That's Jesus was our sin bearer. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. That's why it's important to realize you're only saved through faith in Jesus. I tell churches that I preach in and so forth that I have no, uh, absolutely no, no loyalty to a denomination. I'm a born-again Christian saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Jesus saved me. Jesus called me to preach his gospel. I have nothing but loyalty to Christ and his word, the Bible. Now, if you knew me, you know that I have uh, distinctions in what I believe, but that's not important. My loyalty is to Christ. He's the Savior. He's my coming King. He's coming again. So Jesus, wholly and completely trust Him by faith as your Savior. You say, preacher, I don't know how. Well, follow me in this simple prayer of faith right now. From the sincerity of your heart, realizing you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans says there's none righteous, no, not one. So trust Christ. Realize you're a sinner. You have nothing. You have no hope. But Jesus died in your place, shed his blood in your place. He was buried in the tomb, and then he was resurrected the third day for your justification. In other words, so you could stand before God cleared from the guilt, the guilt of sin's penalty. That's the wages of sin. It's death. That's eternal separation from God forever in the lake of fire. That's what we all deserve. But God so loved us that he sent Jesus down to be our sin bearer, to be our, our, our Savior. And when we, by faith, accept him as our Savior, God forgives us. Now, if you'd like to follow Christ and, and be born again, follow me in this prayer from the sincerity of your heart, recognizing you're a sinner. Abandon all your hope. You have no hope. Follow me now. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm depending upon you and you alone to be my Savior and take me to heaven. Now, folks, the Bible teaches when you do that, you've been born again, a spiritual birth. Contact us here at the radio station or me personally. We'll get you some information to help you start growing as a brand new Christian. Okay? So we're grateful. We're happy that you're listening in. Now, once you've trusted Christ, God wants you to have assurance of your salvation. So I want to share this with you. We're going to get right into this very simple thought on how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. In other words, God wants you to be assured, have assurance that you're saved and going to heaven. It's interesting. You know, <clears throat> uh, in Marshall, Texas, there was a little village named Uncertain. Now imagine how confusing it is when a resident of this place visits in other places, other lands, and someone asks him or her, where do you live? And the person responds, uncertain. You mean you're not certain where you live would be the comeback. Uh, no, the person would say, yeah, I'm certain that I live in uncertain. That's uncertain Texas. But the truth of the matter is this, and here's the illustration. A lot of Christians are certain that they live in uncertain. They're going to heaven, but they're going nervous. 
God didn't lie to you when he saved you. He did a complete job, whole job. Now follow him. Okay, consider this. Number one, when it comes to the assurance of salvation, the consequences of doubt. If you doubt your salvation, there are consequences. Listen to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, that same epistle in chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So, why was 1 John written? It was written so that your joy as a Christian may be full, your cup running over a fullness of joy. God wants you to have assurance of salvation and the fullness of joy. Folks, they're Siamese twins. You can't separate them. It's absolutely impossible to have fullness of joy in Christ without the assurance of your salvation. You see, doubt only produces a lack of joy in the Christian life, and it also hinders service for Jesus. D.L. Moody said, and I quote, I've never known a Christian who has any good, who has done any good in the work of Jesus, who did not have assurance of salvation. End of quote. That's amazing. Now, I've read that during the first part of the construction of the world's largest bridge in San Francisco, the Golden Gate, that no safety devices were used, and 23 men fell to their deaths. During the construction of the last part of the bridge, a safety net was constructed at the cost of $100,000 in those days. At least 10 men fell into the net as they were working, and they were saved. But the interesting thing is that the workers got 25% more done faster once they were assured that they were safe. Now, it's the same way in the Christian life, friend. A man cannot put his all into the service of God and really go after souls to win souls to Christ until he or she is sure that they are saved. I'll never forget it when I got it settled personally. When other Christians have come to me and said, Pastor Dave, I got it settled. I am saved, S-A-V-E-D, exclamation point. Today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, 20 years from now, I am saved, and I don't have to worry about falling away. You see, the doubt destroys your joy in Christ. When we doubt, it destroys our usefulness in Christ. When we doubt, we can't win souls to Christ. Over and over, the Bible tells us of those who, after meeting the Savior, went immediately to find their loved ones and bring them to Jesus. Philip, for instance, in John chapter 1, found Nathaniel, his brother. And then Andrew found his brother Simon. And the woman at the well, after drinking the living water, ran to town and said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Folks, these people who first knew they had met the Master, they knew they were saved. That's amazing. Think about that. The first thought, the consequence of, of doubt, of doubting your assurance of salvation, the consequence, it's going to steal your joy, your effectiveness, and your usefulness for Jesus Christ. Dr. Martin, or rather Martin Luther said, and I quote about the devil, he said, the devil's real. 
The devil is the devil was a real person, just as real as you and I. And it is said that that in Martin Luther's study, uh, where once he took an inkwell when he was writing in his study, and he threw it to where he thought the devil was, the devil was bothering him in his Bible study. You see, people who were doing something in the country. Uh, doing something for Jesus Christ in the spiritual realm are those who have settled the matter of their salvation. Do you have the assurance of your salvation? If not, look to the Bible. You should. God wants you to have that. Don't be a nervous Christian. God saved you. Now get to work for Him, winning souls, glorifying Christ, giving to the ministries like WXAN Radio where we're trying to win souls and exalt the Savior and strengthen Christians. So know that you are saved. The consequence of doubt, doubting your salvation, the loss of joy, the loss of usefulness, number two. When you're considering the assurance of your salvation, consider the cause of doubt. Not only the consequence of doubt, but the cause of doubt. Why do people doubt salvation? Some doubt salvation because they don't remember when they were saved. We mentioned that a little earlier. I'm not sure I like the song that we used to sing years ago in the old country church. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> they used to do a, a lyric or a hymn, something about, I don't remember whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday when I was saved. But you don't have to remember the exact date and time. You know, I've heard Christians testify in church, oh, bless God, I was saved October the 5th, 1921, in the south end of a cornfield. I was plowing old Alex, and I stopped at 10 minutes to 11, got down to my knees, prayed and trusted Christ as my Savior. And I thought, man, that's fantastic. But not everybody can remember the details. And because you cannot remember the details doesn't mean that you're not saved. I wonder if you ask the thief on the cross, who looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. wonder why Jesus didn't say, okay, mark down this date and very time, and I'll get let you into heaven when you get to the gate after we die. He didn't do that. No way. You don't always remember all the dates and times. We know that in this physical body, it's limited. As we get older, we forget. We just forget. We forget to take our medicine, forget to go to the doctor, we forget to... I put the dog out. We forget to take the trash out. We forget all kinds of good stuff. But this body is that way. But just because you can't remember doesn't mean you're not saved. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, go ahead and shout for joy because you're saved. God doesn't forget the date, and he certainly doesn't forget the time. And he didn't put your name in his book of life with a pencil so it could be erased. No, no, no. Put in there with the blood of Jesus. Redeemed by the blood of the crucified one. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. A ransom from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Praise by the, for the blood of the crucified one, Jesus. God saves you. He does a good job. Remember that. So we see the consequence of doubt causes you to use, lose your joy and your usefulness for Christ. We see, secondly, the cause of doubt. Just because you can't remember the details, that doesn't mean you're not saved. Let's look third and finally this morning as we think about the assurance of our salvation. Let's look at the cure for doubt. The cure for doubt, folks, is the Bible, God's Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path, David said. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, our text verse, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have eternal life. Suppose I ask someone, are you married? And him or her, he or she says to me, I, I sure hope so. I've been living with this man or this woman for 25 years. We have six kids. Man, I hope we're married. But I'm not sure. You know, I have my doubts. Now, I'm being hypothetical here, okay? What would you think of a, a man or a woman who said that when you ask them if they were married? You'd think, man, we got a candidate for the insane asylum, wouldn't you? Well, listen, everybody who's married knows it. I never met a person who's married who didn't realize it and know it. And why would they know it? They'll say, I know I'm married because I have a piece of paper. They call it a marriage certificate. It says on a certain day, then you put your name in there, on a certain date, a man and a woman were married. Well, folks, they don't doubt whether they're married because they have a marriage certificate. See, it's basically black ink on white paper, right? Well, wait a minute. Think about something here. How do you know you're saved? Well, let's see what the Bible says. These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. The Bible says it. It's black ink on white paper, maybe red ink, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible. But when you open the Bible, trust what it says. It's God speaking to you. It's God speaking to you, my friend. Think about that. God says, no, these things have I written unto you. Put your name in there that you, ye may know. Put your name in there that David may know that he has eternal life and that you have eternal life. Folks, it's simple. When you go to buy a house, you say, hey, I'll pay so much for that house. Say, OK, put that down in black ink on white paper. Put it in writing. Right. You go to buy a car. They do what? Put it in writing. You don't doubt the contract of the house. You don't doubt the contract for the automobile. Did you know that your salvation is down in writing? And that's better than feelings. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. But the word of our God, in other words, the Bible, his word, shall stand forever. Mark chapter 13 and verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Jesus said, but my words shall not pass away. The written word of God is better than your feelings or your memory. Because feelings pass away. But the word of God never passes away, Christian. Feelings change. The temperature changes. But the word of God never changes. Jesus, you can say, how do I know I'm saved? Because he says, these things have I written unto you, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Listen to John chapter 3 and verse 36, my dear friend. He that believeth on the Son, the word believe, believeth, or believing in John, used in its various forms, means to trust in, or depend upon, or rely upon Christ to be your Savior. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's John three thirty six. And I believe that on the cross, Jesus suffered my hell and paid my sin debt. I trust Christ as my Savior. Now, in writing, God Almighty says, I've got everlasting life. 
And I know I have it because he wrote it in the Bible. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe be, shall be, will be. All right. I called upon him. He said, if I call, I'm saved. I know I'm saved because he said so and put it in writing in the Bible. John 3, 30, John 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, rather, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He wrote it, and if you believe on him, you have everlasting life and shall never perish. I know I'm saved because of what he wrote. He said in John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes our doubt may creep in. It doesn't mean you're not saved because you're a human and you doubt. John the Baptist even doubted. And they had to go assure him. I love the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now in conclusion, if you'll answer these three questions I'm going to give you honestly, I can tell you whether you're saved or not. Here we go. Number one, do you know that you're a sinner, that you've sinned and you're not perfect? Say yes. Number two, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, just as the Bible says in John 3, 16? You should. And then question three, are you trusting Jesus Christ to take you to heaven? By that, I mean, are you depending upon him, relying upon him as your only hope of salvation? Not Jesus plus baptism, not Jesus plus church membership, not Jesus plus reformation, Jesus solely, wholly, and personally, him alone. If you can answer yes to all three of these questions, then I guarantee you on the basis of the Bible, God's holy word, that you have everlasting life and you'll never perish and you'll go to heaven when you die or when the rapture takes place. Here it is again, John three thirty six: He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You've either believed on Christ or you've not. If you believe, you have everlasting life. If you've not believed, then you shall not see life. You'll go to hell when you die. It's as simple and as plain as that. It's that simple. If you are not sure you're trusted Him, then trust Him now. Ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior. Just simply like we led while ago. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my Savior and take me to heaven. And folks, you're putting your faith in him when you do that. Do that. And he meant what he said. He'll give you everlasting life that moment, that very moment. Now get your assurance on. God meant what he said. Have assurance. God doesn't lie. He can't lie. The Bible is true. It's the word of God. Now get busy for Jesus. You're saved. And keep looking up. Jesus is coming. And rest assured, you're saved. You're kept by the power of God. And Paul said, I know whom I have believed, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You're saved. Now serve Christ and glorify Jesus. Emmanuel. For unto